Pops in a pod. Pops in a pod. Hi, this is Nadir Pop, and welcome to Pops in a Pod. Hi, and I'm Peter Pop. This week again, we are bringing an old episode, and to be honest, I shouldn't be really saying this out in public, but this is one of my few favorite episodes that I love listening to. I, I really go back and listen to it again and again. And uh, Dr. Rakesh, you know, has just come up with such interesting theories about the science of that. That's the episode um, that we're going to, you know, re-highlight for you guys again. Isn't it, Peter? Yeah, and I think it was also interesting just the various facts that he brought out about just fatherhood, right? And why it's so overlooked. But you know what? I think we should just stop right here and let everyone figure out why Nader and I are both excited about bringing this episode back. So here it is. Hi, Dr. Rakesh. Welcome to Pops in a Pod. Hi. Thank you so much, uh, Peter and Nader. It's such a pleasure to be here on a very, very unique podcast. I think uh, this is something brilliant and excellent that you guys have been doing. Really awesome to be here. Thank you. We really appreciate that you've you've uh, removed time for us and you've come here. Both of us, Peter and I, are looking forward for a really, really good conversation. But I guess before we kind of jump into what the conversation is all about, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So, you know, like I keep saying, this is the toughest thing to do. Tell somebody about yourself. But um, I think let me just start off with, uh, more importantly, I am a father of a 13-year-old girl. And she's equal measures of uh, joy and frustration. But um, I think somewhere that actually started the journey um, for me. Actually, I'm a medical doctor, as I said, but I don't practice. I uh, do management consultancy for hospitals. But what is far more important uh, for this podcast is about nine years back, I started an NGO called Bamboo Tree Children's Foundation, which we started working a lot with children of separated parents right? Because that we found us to be an extremely uh, vulnerable group. And that is what led us to uh, seeing certain things that we, we coined this term, which we call a semi-orphans, right? So almost four out of five children who go through uh, the Indian family court system or the Indian uh, uh, divorce, this thing, 80% of the children actually get semi-orphan. That is, they lose not just one parent, but one half of their family, one half of their roots, one half of their values, right? So that's when we started getting into this international consortium of, uh, you know, mental health professionals and doctors who started studying what is the impact of children on this and which then led us to believe that let's really look at the entire science of fatherhood. So, you know, we started looking at the entire, uh, how do the fathers uh, impact their children? What impact happens when they are not there. So that led us to actually setting up our own YouTube channel to talk about all of these things, which is there as Bamboo Tree Children's Foundation. So yeah, that's me. And that's the kind of work I've been doing. Yeah, I still remember actually, Doctor, uh, earlier, I think it was sometime mid last month or early last month, uh, we had a phone conversation. And, you know, the whole thing that you talked about, and this is something that, you know, Nadir and I have always been talking about on the podcast but a lot of the information or the things that we talk about is very anecdotal and the moment I asked you okay what do you want to talk about and I love the way you said the science of dads or science of fathers 
which is so unique everyone only talks about you know certain aspects but the very fact that you know there's research backing it and i think belly we got off the phone i immediately messaged nadir saying you know what i had such a great conversation i think this is something that's going to excite you so i'm glad you know we finally all got uh, down in our recording this episode so since you talked about the research let's kind of set some kind of context as to where we're coming from right i mean uh, your part you said you're part of the international consortium of mental health experts and one thing nadir and i noticed when we started the podcast all the way uh, 3 years ago with the idea there wasn't a lot of data available right i mean in terms of for dads especially new dads first time dads there wasn't a lot of information it's really sad that in 20 in this century right we still have to watch you know what you're expecting when you're expecting that's like the only reference that you have for parents uh in there but if you could just quickly introduce us to your research and with both aspects the international research and patterns that you've seen but also with the indian uh aspects also when it comes to that that would be great no i think uh you know you you mentioned very beautifully that lack of research one is of course india as a country just does not believe in data and research we believe that you know everything works on our own little gut instincts and feelings and let's just go ahead with whatever we feel but very importantly i think let me share this beautiful story why dads is not there so you know the entire international community research also on dads started late in the 1960s right and if you look at it the entire parenting thing it started in 1920s by a gentleman called john bolby right he started researching on where how do parents and how does parenting impact the children and how does this thing work and he was asked that you know okay so here is the mother here is the child and here is the dad this is what am i going to do with the dad dad i don't know what to even do about it you know so i'm going to just research the mother and the uh you know the child and look at just the impact you know it's a very fortunate thing that life how it turned so he had a great uh, uh, disciple or a, or a student called mary ainsworth and she had a great disciple called michael lamb right and they just completely saw that the all the research that we are seeing on uh you know children and the impact is not able to explain what is happening right so uh, and what is happening i mean the differences in how children's outcomes come out is not able to actually explain it that's when they really started focusing on dads but what we've been uh, now doing is that now there is this huge global community which is uh, working on seeing because you know now we are looking at and trying to understand how dads play a role so we do a number of experiments all across so fortunately even science has been able to look at it in a beautiful way which is today with things like fmri that is functional mri so what we can actually do is look at which areas of brain are getting activated by when the child is there both in the parents and in the child and there are these beautiful pictures which come out right and you can actually really see what is happening in the child's mind at that point of time right so one of the very interesting things that came out is so let me just uh, put this across um uh, when you people are uh, fathers 
I want you to go back into your life when you, uh, your wife was pregnant. And I would like to say both of you, that is your wife and you were pregnant. But uh, let me ask you this. Did you notice that during those nine months of pregnancy, you gained exactly as much weight as the weight of your child? Guilty. This is something I've actually talked about on the podcast, right? Yeah. before so it's, yeah it's, it's totally absolutely guilty. true um in fact uh, just just a couple of weeks ago so my mm-hmm. my wife has a habit of uh, going back to old photographs and she's she set up this thing i i think it's on google or something where every day it tells you last year what you did on the same day right so it's a great right. way to sort of revive your memories and this one specific photo keeps coming up where i have just ballooned right i've become huge and it's like it's amazing right what what is it like is it because of all the pressure and the tension of introducing a new human being into your home which you are just completely not ready for and that's why you've taken to eating or whatever it is and it was just fascinating and i'm so glad that you brought it up because yeah we did notice it we did notice physical changes in ourselves and not just the wife so yeah yeah with me actually it was the opposite i remember uh, the first trimester my wife getting like morning sickness and there were certain foods that she absolutely couldn't enjoy like egg something that you know we would eat regularly she just couldn't handle the smell of egg and uh, we love going out to eat right and at this point I was like yeah come on she's pregnant a lot of times when we went out we would order two separate dishes but she could not even like finish even half of that and I was like okay I can't let this go to waste so there were times where I was eating my entire meal, part of her meal. And then in like six months, it showed like, I still remember baby shower pictures. Everyone was like, whoa, what happened to you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I know exactly what Nadir is talking about, looking back at pictures. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, so, so that's so beautiful that you people actually noticed it, right? So, you know, now let me just introduce something. So both of you are suffered from, suffered, I'm using the word suffered very wrongly, but I'm using the word from what is known as the Kuwait syndrome. Okay. Now, what does that mean, right? So a lot of us used to earlier, so this earlier used to be known as sympathetic pregnancy, that fathers sympathetically become pregnant along with the this thing. Right. But now what we understand is that that's not true. It's actually a biological changes which are happening inside your body. So you can actually predict the weight of the child by seeing how much weight did the father gain during this thing. It almost matches with. Wow. Right. That's amazing. I did not know that. So secondly, I would say, okay, so what is that one thing which our Hindi movies or the Bollywood have made it so famous as pregnancy means this, the vomiting that we see or the morning sickness that we see. Absolutely. Right. Now, all of those changes happen absolutely within the fathers too. So there was this study which was done in Poland right? Where they saw morning sickness, weight gain, increased appetite, katta khana and all of that. At least one or two of these symptoms are present in 23%, uh, in 72% of the fathers, sorry, 72%. And 23% of the fathers had all of them, all of them put together, right? Wow. So that's when they actually, a lot of research started into saying, how does this even happen? 
you know, it seems like a miracle that, you know, you are, you know, you're about what a huge distance away from the mother and yet these changes are happening. So what they started noticing was, uh, I don't want to bore you guys with a lot of technical terms, but there are these four hormones which control the entire pregnancy, right? So there is estrogen, which is responsible for what we call as uh, the morning glow that we see in this thing, right? So they found that the estrogen levels in the fathers synchronize and they're almost the same as the mother, which is great. Second, what they saw was testosterone. So one of the other things which happens is that the testosterone levels, which is the most famous hormone that men are known for, that goes down by 33%. So what does that do? That decreases your sexual libido. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy when you think about it. And you know, I'm glad you're bringing this too, right? Because when I'm going back to our discussions, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, you hear about, but uh, everyone kind of thinks that, okay, maybe I faced it, another things he faced it. But for all the dads who are listening to the episode, I think like light bulb moments are happening. And this is like, we're just talking the very basic part of parenting and being a dad, right? We're not even like getting into the more macro stuff it's just still there the very simple stuff and we're still talking when your wife's pregnant or around that time so wow and this is basic biology i feel doctor i'm i'm so glad you've put it in context because you you've, you're backing it with research and to everything that you said that you know it's it's crazy when two bodies are completely apart they still somehow you know sync up i would have just thrown in a crude joke by saying bluetooth hoga connection but <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> you know for me uh, for, for the uninitiated and uh, illiterate in these kind of matters it kind of it, it does make sense now because clearly there has to be some form of science that is helping us understand this and and when you brought up the whole sexual drive and drop in libido i think it's very it's very human for all of us to at least open that discussion right no and uh, you know so that is something that nature has done for a very major reason because what it's saying is and you know that is why we bring on to the concept of saying why are human fathers so important right And that is because what it says is that this is the time when you need to put all your entire focus, and this is real science, which is saying you need to put your entire focus only onto the child. So therefore, the distractions like your sexual uh, behavior and your other things must go down, right? So which is what testosterone does, but which brings me to a slightly more technical one, but you might find very interesting, is the other hormone called prolactin. Okay. Now, prolactin is the hormone which maintains pregnancy. And at the same time, what it does is decreases sexual libido. But also what it does is its more important role that was only known was that it basically helps in ejection of the breast milk, right? In formation and ejection of the breast milk. So nobody ever thought about it, that the question that, okay, why would even fathers have this hormone, Right. Why is it even required, right, in fathers? But then they saw that the father's prolactin levels again sync up and increase with the mother's prolactin levels. So that means at three months of, when the child is three months, when prolactin levels are very high in the mother because the uh, ejection of milk, fathers are facing exactly the similar prolactin levels. 
And that's when the research went on to, and they started seeing what does prolactin do. So what prolactin does is, it is now known as the global parenting hormone. So what they found was that if I remove the prolactin from your or your uh, wife, that is the child's mother's body, both of you will abandon the child within 24 hours. Let's be honest, you know, raising a child, at least initially in the first one year, is not, I'm sure both of you would have gone through those times when you would have said, damn, this child is really cute, but I just need a break, man. Enough is enough. Can somebody just, can somebody just throw the baby in the bathtub and get out kind of a thing, right? <laughs> now, Again, what nature tried to do was how does it ensure that there is this bonding happening, which is through what is known as the prolactin levels, right? And this prolactin is what causes, and the next hormone which really works is, so I don't know, when you were uh, probably 14, 15, 16, I don't know about you guys and your generation, but when was it that you first had first crush or your first love? Maybe 16, wow. 17? <laughs> The doc doctor is like taking us really way back now. <laughs> no, I, I think I was in the second or the third standard when when that that crush happened. So I think I must have been wow. seven. Now there was an so. early bloomer. I think I was about <laughs> yeah. like ten, twelve. I can't remember. No, don't yeah. doctor, don't ask about our first crushes. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so here is something that I can give you. So every time you go back and see your wife and you're in love with her, what is causing that love is a hormone called oxytocin. Okay, and that is the hormone that is responsible for your entire parenting. So every time you see a child, right? And every, every time you... So what we've been able to find is that the fathers, even when they just smell their own child, their oxytocin levels are able to go up and they cause a feeling of warmth, feeling of love, you become more emotional, you become more caring towards the child, right? Now, which brings me to that thing about that when people say that mothers are natural, right? While fathers uh, have to be taught parenting. I don't know. What do you think? Is that true? See, I think this is one of those debates, right? And you, I don't think there's a middle ground for it. You either are for or against. I don't think you can say yes, maybe, I don't know, kind of thing. So, but the way I look at it is it's the intent, right? Always. So, like, I'm going to talk from my personal experience and not from anyone else's. I was very clear with my wife and I that we were going to have a child. We talked about it, we prepped for it uh, in there. So, whatever by then whatever effort it took whatever it needed to be done i was willing to do it and i think a lot of it came by instinct also for me uh i realized like uh, my wife and i keep having this thing that she says you know you're better at some things and i'm better at some things and i think recognizing that right is important instead of saying that this is your job this is my job so that that's how I would say. Same same journey of uh, you know planning and making sure that we were on the same page physically, mentally, emotionally to you know introduce another human being in in our family. But I I don't know, Doc. Um, I think it has a lot to do with social construct as well, right? Um, the way you've been raised, the kind of uh, family setup um, you've been you know raised in, the society around you, even your neighbors have a 
huge say sometimes especially in a country as diverse as india so i uh, i don't know. i'd like to believe that biologically women are more uh, in in tune to to be prepared for um, you know motherhood or parenthood and fathers have to kind of get into that mode since there are no physical changes happening now this is me having just gained this knowledge what you have given me so i didn't i did not want to change that aspect uh, that's why i'm coming out clean and saying that i think it comes naturally for the mothers and for fathers it's more of a it's more of a setup but uh, i'm i'm sure there's a reason you have that even fathers are biologically in tune to do that no so you know both of you are absolutely in a way correct so this this statement is very correct which is to say that the mothers in the sense have these hormonal changes and these things which are happening uh directly but at the same time that's the only difference that we see between mothers and fathers their capability biologically is exactly the same but what differentiates the two is that fathers need the physical presence and touch and contact for all those hormonal changes to happen right so that is the only difference at the end of the day right so whether you want to call it natural or not natural that's that's really the way you want to look at it but uh, all these changes but there are some very 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 stark differences in the way uh, fathers and mothers react to the child and those differences i think is something that uh, which completely differentiates because the hormones are the same what differs is which area of the brain do these hormones actually activate which is what are different between the mothers and the fathers so you know doctor you mentioned about the physical aspect right and one thing nadir and i have kept talking about i'm not sure if we've talked about it on the podcast before but it's a very cultural thing which i've noticed only in india right where for the first child i don't know why not for the second and third but it's just for the first child the mother goes to her parents house and delivers there and after that depending on which part of india you're from she stays for another 3 to 4 months in there and with nadir and me where normally is where our wives didn't do that whole thing right and i don't know like in a way when i look back i'm glad because i cannot imagine spending like the first few months of my son's life without being there right and when you talked about just the fact that you know the physical aspect the hormones kind of get activated in dads would you kind of see a relationship between that no no there is definitely a huge relationship i mean so again experiments have been done on that so which is to say that like i said and this is important not just for the child equally important for the father so the experiments um, and what data is now saying is that as i said that the fathers and the children need to be in contact with each other right and therefore if the father's hormones levels don't rise right because there is lack of contact so i am particularly not against those people uh, the children uh, the mothers going for 3 months there but as long as that those 3 months the father is either also at the mother's place the father is equally in contact 
or there is very regular contact happening. So let's say what you're talking about, if the, uh, the mother's or the mother's family stays in a different city and you see it once in a month, that is harmful in the sense, and it is so harmful that what data now shows is that children whose fathers are not involved, physically involved with the child, the death rate of children within the first one year of life is almost three times. So we are talking about actual physical impact, right? The second major impact on this is, so another thing which data shows is that any time that the father is involved within the first six months to a year of the child's life, right? The propensity or chances of that father continuously being involved for the next 18 years or the next 30 years of the child's life goes up about six times. So therefore, if you remove the father within the first three to six months, the bonding doesn't happen, right? And those three to first three to six months are extremely important, you know, which brings me to one of the most, another interesting thing, which I would love to ask you if you are, if you've noticed it, if not, your uh, listeners would love to notice it after I say this, how the fathers and mothers even hold their newborn child is extremely different. So how the mothers would hold it is that they would hold the child with the face of the baby always turned inwards to simply say, we are one compact unit. While what the fathers would do is hold it in the palm of their hands and show the baby the outside world. So if you see, this is true for 90%. So if you see, they're holding it in the palm, the buttocks of the child are in the palm of their hand. And while the head is resting on the shoulder, but so showing them the outside world while the mother shows them, I am one compact unit, which brings in a huge amount of, so, you know, as I look at it, I don't know, first, before I even get into it, is that something you guys have ever uh, noticed or do you even see it? You I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember too specifically, but I know one thing for sure. Um, as my daughter started getting older and, you know, was able to hold her head uh, and her, you know, neck became stronger. Instead of carrying her near my 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 shoulder level or my neck i would always carry her till here and all yeah. all the elders in my family are like why are you carrying her like that you know why are you carrying her so low on your body you should carry her up and i'm like your child my child let's let's kind of get beside <laughs> that first right uh my child i will carry her the way i want and she's comfortable she's not crying so i, I think that's the only thing i very specifically remember about carrying my child lower on my body and not you know traditionally carrying her up over here so that, that's the only thing i remember yeah i'll, I'll yeah. have to go back and like substantiate this with the google photos or whatever photographs i have but i think you're right when it comes to this i mean we did get the carrier and i was never like you know comfortable having my son's like face on me so so this uh kind of depiction was made famous in the movie hangover because my wife actually has a picture of me holding my son like that with the sunglasses and all of that and then she sent it to family as a joke like oh my god look at this but i would always kind of prefer holding my son that way it was a little more stable for me uh in there never really did that consciously but uh, i did notice the moment i held him the same way he would yeah. be out like a light so 
I think I get where you're coming from because you'd feel that comfort. And I guess at that age, kids don't know, right? Mom, dad, they just feel body warmth. I can sleep. <laughs> you know, so like now what we are actually, I don't know if that happened in your mother's case, uh, in your uh, wife's case, that is the child's mother's case, was that we are very strongly, all gynecologists will very strongly recommend that there should be a lot more skin-to-skin contact between the mother and the child, right? And that holds true even for fathers, even more true, right? So unfortunately, that's not happening so much in India. But, you know, you must have hospitals, uh, to be truthful, where for fathers, what you know, so like the mothers have a nursing time where they have within the first whatever five days. Similarly, for fathers, there has to be this skin-to-skin contact time. You know, so one of the stark differences, this was a Harvard pediatrician, uh, Michael Yogman, who did this. uh, And what he found was that every time a mother walks in uh, to the child, the child's heart rate decreases. The child tends to close his or her eyes and simply says, it's like as if to say, ah, mom, right? And every time a father walks in, the child's heart rate increases, right? The child tends to open his pupils and eyes and says, yo, party time. So I have seen so many mothers complain and they actually say that children prefer to be held by their fathers because it's more stimulating, it's more fun and interesting for them. So, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen this uh, beautiful movie, one of my favorite movie, an uh, Italian movie called A Beautiful Life, Roberto Benigni. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, how... One of the few movies that actually made me cry. Absolutely. But do you remember how he made even the most gruesome, uh, you know, Nazi concentration cap to be fun for the child? Because that's what fathers do. They make things fun for the child. So I've seen so many mothers tell me if your wives have complained. I held this child for nine months. I did everything for the child. And the moment the father walks in, the child just rushes to the father. What's wrong with me? Has that ever happened? Dr. Kapoor, it's a global meme. (laughs) (laughs) It's a global meme. But now I think we're very glad we're talking to you because you are giving us scientific fodder to throw at our wives every time they complain to us saying, what the hell? And they're like, by the way, there is science. There's a Harvard back science that Dr. Kapoor told us about. And I'm going to read it out to you. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it, it, it it's not only just when the kids are really small, right? I think that it, that kind of sets in and then gets more uh, visible because once the kids start talking also, right? And uh there are a lot of conversations where my wife and I have had is, you know, the kind of roles that we play, right? Because you can't have both parents be the party parents and the kid is just going to take full advantage of it. Or you can't have both parents be the strict ones. And that's what we noticed in our lives, right? Where, you know, you had one parent who only once you turned a certain age where you realized the parent is not that strict. It's just that they had to play that role. So we we realized this, and this is what we did when we were talking about being parents also, is that we cannot be like the villain, if I may use the term, right? Because then the kid is going to impact in there. But unfortunately, it's just like you said, it's science. It kind of creeps in. Uh, the moment my son sees me, he 
says, let's play football. And then I encourage him. And now it's reached a stage where he brings the football to me and says, let's play. So, yeah, it's quite interesting, uh, the whole way how it works. No, absolutely. And, you know, which we'll definitely talk later. But, you know, if we have the time that, you know, the in India, this is one of the biggest issues that we are seeing is, uh, you know, the role of fathers, of traditional fathers versus modernity. What you've grown up, which you very beautifully said about strict disciplinarian so-called father role. You know, I don't know, there is this Hindi movie, Amitabh Bachchan's called Surevansham. That really epitomizes for me what is the diff- the quandary that the Indian fathers are going through. Should they create play the traditional role of a strict disciplinarian father in their child's life or should they become like friends? Being in advertising really sort of helps listen to this episode again and again because the doctor uh, keeps talking about data, research, insight and he's giving examples from other countries, um, obviously India, and there's so many interesting things, you know, like the first time I heard of this concept, sympathetic pregnancy, where what he's trying to say is that, you know, if, if the wife is physically pregnant, even the, the the father sort of becomes pregnant and you start seeing these signs, there are lovely stuff, you know, like it's just riveting things. And I, I always enjoy when I listen to this episode again and again. Yeah. And if you're wondering why that conversation seems abrupt, well, there's part two of that. So Nader and I are going to bring that to you. But like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, we've been revisiting some episodes because we really enjoyed these topics. But why don't you let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about on the podcast? As always, you know how to reach out to us, popsinapod at gmail.com. Or you can also follow us on Instagram. Just search for popsinapod and we'll be right there. We put up some fun reels. Uh, I think we've we've taken quite a liking <laughs> to doing that. So yeah, you can catch us on, on Instagram and we are in the middle of producing some very, very interesting episodes. So hang in there and trust me, we'll be coming out with some a slew of fun episodes with new guests uh, in a couple of weeks. Until then, see you guys. All right. See you next week.